When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Van Lobby. And I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And we have a special guest coming up here in a little bit. We're going to have uh, Mary Kay's interview with Jordan Palmer from the Combine. Um, you caught up with Jordan and talked to him about all sorts of things, but most importantly, you talked with him about Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, who he is working out with. Uh, of course, he was running Sam Darnold's Pro Day on Wednesday. We're recording this on Thursday between the two Pro Days. Um, so we're going to have that coming up in a little bit. It, it, it's a really good conversation with Jordan Palmer. He has a lot of great things to say about both prospects. Um, and you will come away from that conversation feeling good uh, about both of those guys, I think. Yeah, you know, it, it, he has a unique perspective because he has been training both of these guys out in Southern California for the last two months. He knows everything about Sam Darnold. He knows everything <laughs> about Josh Allen. He's gotten to know these guys really, really well. And one story that I did yesterday uh, is where he says, you know what, if Jimmy Haslam pulled me aside and asked me which one to take, I would honestly, you know, off the record, he said, I would not be able to tell him which one of those guys to take because uh, he believes that both of those guys will be franchise players, both are going to be studs in the NFL, and that the Browns cannot go wrong with either one. Yeah, so that's coming up, um, so stay tuned for that. But first, Mary Kay, before we get to that, let's talk about Sam Darnold's Pro Day. Again, we're recording this between the two Pro Days, so if you're listening to this after Josh Allen's, uh, we aren't going to be talking specifically about that here. Uh, But Sam Darnold playing in a ton of rain, uh, bad weather. Uh, There there was kind of a a neat back and forth in Albert Breer's MMQB today, I think today, um, about how they were actually happy that it was raining, that he didn't want things to get moved around. Uh, He wanted to throw in the rain. Uh, And of course, I'm sure the Browns, who a few years ago were squirting water on uh, on footballs, I'm sure they were happy to see that too. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, before the workout, Jordan Palmer, uh, I, I watched him say this on NFL Network, he said, uh, I hope it starts pouring rain in the middle of the workout. He really got his wish. It never rains in Southern California, and it rained right in all over this workout for Sam Darnold. So that was fortunate uh, because the Browns got to see, you know, with his nine and three-eighths inches hand, would he be able to hang on to the football? Uh, You know, how would it come out of his hand and things like that in inclement weather? So it was good from that standpoint. I think he answered a lot of questions. How much do you think these pro days help, guys? Uh, Because obviously, look, we've got two seasons worth of tape on Sam Darnold. That's really the stuff that you kind of dig into, and that's where the turnovers happened this last year. Uh, They weren't as bad the year before, but you saw all the fumbles this past year. How much can a guy actually prove in a pro day when he's throwing to guys he knows, even though that didn't really help Darnold that much yesterday with all the drops, uh, when he's throwing to guys he knows and there's no defense out there, there's no pass rush? You know, I don't think the actual uh, pro day itself 
changes very much. Uh, what I do think is, you know, it gives you an opportunity uh, to talk to different people. We saw Jimmy Haslam in the stands talking to Sam Darnold's parents. They took him to dinner the night before. Uh, they, they learned a lot about him as a person that way. Uh, they saw how his teammates interacted with him. They saw how he handled adversity. But you're right, from a standpoint of just, you know, watching him mechanically throw the football, you're not going to get that much out of that. You're going to get more out of a private workout because you can try to have him run some of your own routes and some of your own things. Uh, you know, so it's another piece of the puzzle, uh, but it doesn't usually make or break a guy. Uh, now, of course, uh, Josh Allen's pro day is coming up. And, you know, honestly, to kind of flip that on its head, his pro day seems kind of important because we saw him throw at the combine, obviously, which we didn't see with Sam Darnold. But everybody's going to be watching to see what Jordan Palmer was able to do to maybe fix some of those accuracy issues that he had. And everybody's going to be kind of watching at the end of the pro day as well to see if yeah, maybe he does one of those trick shots where he tries to throw the ball 90 yards and hit the goalpost or something like that. Yeah, and, and he probably could. Now, he also, <laughs> hopefully he'll do this. He will get on his knees and, and throw the ball, I think, um, he's from the 40 and throw it into the end zone. So if he does something like that, you know, that, that can dazzle people. Yeah. But, um, you know, he's going to show off the big arm. But like you said, the key for Josh Allen, obviously, is to show that he has improved his accuracy. And Jordan Palmer has been working very, very hard with him on this. It's about his, his feet, about a stable base, and making sure that, you know, that he's not throwing off balance, which I noticed at the uh, – at the Senior Bowl, that he was doing that a number of times. Mm -hmm. And, boy, when he doesn't control, he's also got very long legs. And I feel like he's almost still kind of trying to figure out how to get control of his of his limbs. He doesn't look <laughs> as agile as, like, say, for instance, when I watched uh, Carson Wentz work out at the Senior Bowl. You could just tell he's very agile. I mean, he really had control over his footwork. And I think that that's something that Josh Allen is still working on. Um, but if, if he has it down enough to where it has improved his accuracy, I, I still think uh, that he's going to be very tough to pass on at number one. One of the things that came away from Darnold's Pro Day is a lot of people, and you, you know, you take this stuff for what it is, because we hear so many things between now and the draft. Um, but a lot of people that were covering that Pro Day, um, national, all kinds of people saying, well, number one pick is set. You know, you move on to number two. I mean, do you buy that? Especially before, like, we're talking now before Josh Allen's pro day. I don't know if I necessarily buy into that line of thinking. You know, I don't, only because at this time last year, or at a certain point last year, we thought for sure uh, that they liked Jared Goff better than Carson Wentz. That was what we had been hearing. And, uh, you know, then I have written several times that – uh, Hugh Jackson actually preferred Carson Wentz over Jared Goff, and the reason was because of what happened when he put him up on the board. Uh, he found him to be extremely intelligent, football acumen, IQ, all that sort of thing. And so I think that that uh, sort of can separate the men from the boys. I mean, because that's what's going to happen when you have to make those split-second decisions in the NFL. And, you know, that's you know part of the reason why sometimes you might be throwing an interception because you're not processing things quickly mm -hmm. enough. So if, if Josh Allen can beat out Sam Darnold in terms of processing speed, that goes a long way when you are also checking off all the other boxes. So I don't think it's over yet. Well, and the other thing that matters, too, is, you know, we, we've seen it with Carson Wentz, right? When you follow Carson Wentz closely. It's not just his ability on the field. Right. It's what you see off the field. It's that 
you know, that, that face of the franchise sort of thing. It's that, wow, this guy is like, this is who you want representing the Philadelphia Eagles. Yep. You know? and, and you see some of that with a guy like Deshaun Watson, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't seen it as much with Mitchell Trubisky. Of course, you know, the play on the field hasn't quite gotten to that level yet. But you see it with Deshaun Watson. Um, some of it is the team markets these guys really well, but some of this is these guys are really genuinely, you know, they, they make your team's brand. And as silly as that might all sound, that is what the quarterback does. So they've got to make sure that these guys can step into a locker room and lead, that they can be kind of model citizens off the field. There's just so much that goes into it that we can't judge from watching a guy throw in the rain in California. Yeah, and you know what, Dan, that uh, brings into play the whole discussion of Baker Mayfield. Because I will tell you, there were plenty of teams that loved what he brought to the table, even in those combine interviews, just from, uh, you know, just from a fiery nature, just that competitive side of him. And mm-hmm. we know that some of those people that were around uh, Brett Favre in Green Bay, you know, they compare uh, Brett Favre to Baker Mayfield. There's people that really like what he brings uh, just in terms of getting people fired up and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Now, it comes along with a little bit of a negative side because he crosses the line. You know, I actually think he is cocky. He's, he calls it confidence. I think he's <laughs> cocky. Um, but you know what? There, you know, teams, a lot of teams think that there's something to be said for that as well. So when they're looking at these guys and they are uh, going through and evaluating, I think they will find you know, sort of nice guys in Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. And then you get to Baker Mayfield, and he's not necessarily as nice as those guys. But from a leadership standpoint, uh, will they like what he brings to the table a little bit more so in terms of the fieriness? Yeah, and a lot of that comes from the fact that he's six feet tall. Yeah. You know, he's had to fight for everything. And, you know, does that carry over into the NFL now? And maybe a team like the Browns needs a guy like that. That's the question that they have to answer. Do they need a guy like that as their quarterback? Would that be the culture change that they're looking for? Or do they want to go with a a safer personality um, in a guy like a Sam Darnold or a Josh Allen or even a Josh Rosen? Well, think about this, Dan. Everywhere Baker Mayfield goes, defenders are going to try to get him riled up, Mm -hmm. and they're going to try to get his goat, and they're going to try to get him off of his mark, and they're just in the same exact way that they did to Johnny Manziel because that is what Baker Mayfield and Johnny Manziel have in common. It's not so much that we think Baker Mayfield has the same off-the-field issues that Johnny Manziel does, but what he has is uh, the same maturity problems that Johnny Manziel did. And so, therefore, you know, we saw Johnny Manziel flipping off, you know, the, you know, flipping people off in, in Washington. Well, you know, that's the same thing when you see Baker Mayfield grabbing the crotch in, in, in the Kansas game. Well, I will tell you that when you know that a guy can be gotten to like that, that is what every single team is going to try to do to him. And he has got to be able to convince these teams that he's not going to be a hothead out on the NFL football field. Yeah, and, and you know, that's why they didn't shake his hand before the game. Right. You know, that was a Bush League move, but that's why they did it. Now, yeah. in Baker's defense, he went out there and he absolutely destroyed them. Like, he right. just blew them out of the stadium. Right. So, you know, it, you take it for what it is. And, yeah. and you hope that that stuff is just a, a momentary lapse in, in judgment. And, you know, this is still, a, we still have a long ways to go in this whole thing. The yeah. draft is not for another month. Yeah, and the other thing to think about is, Uh, you can project out these quarterbacks by at least one year. So you can ask yourself, who is Sam Darnold going to be in in a year from now? 
who, or a year and a half from now, by the time they would actually have to probably start a football game, who's Josh Allen going to be a year from now, and who is Baker Mayfield going to be mm-hmm. a year from now? So you can start to look at the upside. And, you know, I mean, hey, if, if they go to the Josh Allen Pro Day and they see that he has improved by leaps and bounds in terms of footwork, accuracy, in just the two months or so that he's been working with Jordan Palmer, you know, what do they think could happen with him when they get him with Ken Zampezi and Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson for one solid year? So you have to look at the upside of what these guys are going to be when you coach them up that long. Well, I know that you uh, are having trouble shaking uh, Josh Allen yes, at the I number am. one pick. I've kind of been on the Sam Darnold bandwagon yep. uh, for a little while, so um, it's, it's going to be fun to see how it goes out. The bottom line is solve the quarterback position. And, of course, with both of those guys, both of them have been working out with Jordan Palmer. Uh, as I mentioned off the top, you caught up with Jordan Palmer. This was recorded back at the Combine, um, so this was the day before the quarterbacks threw, I think, which he referenced a couple times in the interview. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of background noise, so uh, forget us that but as you know at the combine gotta interview these guys where you can interview them and i think you were in a big fan fest area so (laughs) yes we were right by radio row we were just a few feet away from uh the big huge espn set where jordan palmer was getting ready to go on there and he was nice enough to take the time to sit down with me and talk about these guys you know he he had spent some time there already with the cleveland browns he knows ken zampezi very well Uh, He credits Ken Zampezi with a lot of knowledge that he has as far as playing the quarterback position uh, from when he was a backup quarterback to his brother in Cincinnati, Carson Palmer, obviously. So, um, So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Yeah, here is Mary Kay with Jordan Palmer. training has been going and how do you think that he will be able to show people here and on his pro day that he's answered that question about the 56.2 percent yeah so I think um, you know when it comes to Josh Allen and the areas that we try to focus on um, you know with Josh when when, uh, when the question comes up around accuracy or his completion percentage um, there's two ways to look at it it's one what he's doing mechanically and then two, what's happening around him, the receivers and the concepts and the coverages that they're seeing. And, and there's a lot of complexities that go into both of those. Um, from a mechanic standpoint, it was actually pretty simple. A lot of any issues, and every quarterback has accuracy issues. They all are trying, they're all going to work out today and tomorrow and the next day to try and improve accuracy, right? It's not a new thing. Uh, and no one is exempt. And so with Josh focusing on his accuracy, uh, the root of it was his base and his footwork. And um, for a guy as athletic as him, that's actually a quick quick fix. And when we try and fix something or we try and impact a portion of their game mechanically, um, you know, really it comes down to athleticism. You have to be athletic enough to take an old muscle memory and create a new muscle memory. Take something that was an old habit and replace it with a new habit. And so with Josh, it was tied to his base and, and kind of, you know, the, the where his feet are placed and, and how, how short his front stride is. And so making a small adjustment has made a huge impact. And so a lot of that, um, the accuracy, the growth in accuracy that you're going to see throughout the draft training process and throughout his transition into the NFL and to being a franchise starter um, is going to be tied to that. On the, 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 re- the other side of it, um, you know, it, I think it's hard, I, his tape's hard to evaluate, even for me when I was getting to know him. It's hard to evaluate, similar to Patrick Mahomes, because, um, you know, I feel like on tape, and I can say this, Josh can't, you know, he looked like an eighth grader playing with the sixth grade team. And and if you think about that, you know, it's funny or whatever, but 
if you're an eighth grade basketball player playing with sixth graders and you're a right-handed dribbler, you're probably never going to be in a situation where you have to dribble with your left hand. You probably don't ever really have to work on certain things because you're just bigger, faster, stronger, and better than all the other kids. And so, you know, with, with what they had on, uh, around him on offense, uh, the level of that that uh, that league was, there was just a lot of things that he's capable of doing in the NFL that he wasn't able to do at that level. Um, he also missed throws. He also missed reads along with everybody else in this draft class. Um, but because there's so much attention on him, and when you have a player who's ranked and rated as high as he is playing at a lower level, the expectations a lot of times um, are are uh, they're they're not possible because of it takes more than just throwing the ball there. Everything else has to come to place too. Uh, with that being said, he made enough plays on tape um, in every game to show you what his ceiling is. And the last thing I'd say is when you're evaluating these guys, um, you know you want to factor in arm talent, strength of who they played against, and how well they interview. You got to act. You got to go through all those things. But. You know, when I get to spend as much time as I do in the classroom, I get to really know how they are and really know what they're good at and bad at. Um, even the things I can keep to myself. Um, and then you start to look at it and go, okay, well, how does this project? Is he as good as he's going to get? Or is he actually capable of way more? And the perfect example was last year with Deshaun Watson. People could talk about, you know, they didn't know how smart he was because he played in such a simple system. Well, I spent six years, but really the last three months, heavy with him, and I realized that He's going to be a way better pro than he was in college because they ran a simple system, not because of him. They ran a simple system because that's what they run. I mean, it's working. But I knew that once he got in with a guy like Bill O'Brien, he's actually capable of doing everything that the elite veteran 12, 13, 14, 15-year vets do. He's going to be capable of that in the first two or three years. And I think the same thing about Josh. Um, so tell me about, um, have you... You know, I've, I've talked to NFL coaches that think that I actually had like one prominent current offensive coordinator that said to me, your high school accuracy follows you to college and your college follows you to the pros and that number scares the crap out of those guys. But you have seen, based on fixing the base, you've seen already an improvement in Josh's yeah. accuracy, is it? Yeah, everyone will see it too. Tomorrow, on Saturday, um, they'll see a more consistent Josh and then really on his pro day you know tomorrow's just a tough one to get it's such an irrelevant throwing day I mean it's just there's not a lot to take out of it um, but you'll see more consistency tomorrow and then uh, on his pro day I think he'll have three or four misses on his pro day out of 70, 70 75 throws so which is the will be the gold standard I think he'll have one of those pro days everybody talks about for the next decade and so basically, you didn't really fix his throwing motion. You just fixed those. Yeah, the starting point. Yeah, the starting point. I mean, we did fix some things, yeah. but but it was the that was the source of it. So when you overstride, leads to other issues, right? There's we talk about the sequencing of the throwing motion. It really is a sequence. The first thing has to happen, and then the second thing has to go second, and then the third thing has to go third. And that sounds dumb, but. When your sequencing's off, the third thing goes first, the second thing goes second, the fourth thing goes third, the first thing goes fourth. Like, the sequencing's off. When a ball comes out of a guy's hand crappy, it's because, this, on a good player, it's the sequencing. So, 
It sounds pretty simple, but no, you actually have to fix the sequencing and build muscle memory around that. And so now that we've got some time together and you know, he was he rested a couple days in the beginning and then he missed a week because he was in Mobile. And so like now that we've had a you know a couple weeks, um, he he's you know, I get to the point at the end of this process where I'm not really talking a lot during these sessions. They should be fixing it themselves. Yeah. And he's clearly there and so if he has a bad throw tomorrow, he'll follow it with a really good one because yeah. he has the fix. What do you think that, what do you see as the ceiling? Are you seeing like a... I've never seen anybody like him. Really? Well, I mean, he's 6'5"-ish, 6'6"-ish. Um, the weight's irrelevant. He'll play at 240, 245 during the season, you know? I think he's 237 right now. He's just going to be a guy that that team's going to want him playing at a fast, lean 245, I'm assuming. Obviously, that depends. Um... He's got the craziest arm I've ever seen, and there's a chance he runs 4-6 tomorrow. So, I, I mean, I, those are those are quantifiable things. Those aren't, you know, the spirit of this kid is unique. Like, there's some of that stuff that's amazing, too. But just the things that you can literally sit there, watch, and quantify, um, it's it's crazy. And hand size. I mean, 10 and, 10 and a quarter yesterday, that's another asset, especially yeah. for, like, an AFC North team, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, any of those teams, yeah, that's a big asset. Um Certain teams pay attention to that, certain teams don't. Um, I think it's really, really important. I just also know some guys that have small hands that can spin it and play great. So I don't think it's a prerequisite. Um, but uh, but it is, it's an asset. I, you won't ever hear me say this guy's hands are too big. So. Comparisons to Carson Wentz. I know that uh, yeah. you know, they both were coached by Craig. Um, so is, is there an apt comparison to Carson at all? And so. Yeah, um, I haven't spent a ton of time with Carson. Um, in terms of competitive temperament, I think it's it's really similar. Um, size, athleticism, arm talent. Um, I don't know that Carson throws it, you know, as, uh, as, as well as Josh does in terms of like velocity and arm strength. Um, and I think Carson Wentz is the MVP of the league. It's not an indictment, um, but uh, but you know, but the way that they approach the game, I think, is similar. You know, they're obsessed with it, um, which got to be at its young age, especially. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's some comparisons there. Uh, in terms of the offense that they ran, you can't really compare it. I mean, that's – you can say the same coaching staff, but when they were at North Dakota State, that was the cream of the – I don't care what level it was. That was one of the best or the best program there. So they had the best players on their team versus the, the teams that they were playing against, um, and that wasn't the case at Wyoming. So um, you can have the same coaching staff and the same-looking kid – and get two different results because there's just more factors. It's just largely irrelevant to me. Okay. So, um, what, um, I mean, I know you've got both Sam and Josh, so this might be hard for you to answer, but, I mean, if the Browns picked Josh number one overall, you, you think that uh, they go on to have a happy life for the next <laughs> decade? Yeah, yeah, and, and it's easy for me to just say, you know, they're both the best quarterback ever. I, I don't, I just don't do that. Um, so... Cleveland is, you know, Cleveland has is, is changed. Um, it's a combination of John, Kenzie and PZ coming in, um, the amount of cap space, the picks, all that stuff, the, the culture that's starting to shift and create. Hugh's a great motivator. Guys like playing for you. Guys, I mean, Hugh gets you fired up, and Hugh knows a lot of football. He's coached all the positions. He knows a ton of ball. And, and there's no expectations. Right, they win six games next year, and it's it's a big year, right? It's a turnaround. So, my point is, is like, 
the fact that Cleveland is sitting here at one with these two choices is like an incredible problem because um, they're very different players. They project differently, and they're both, in my opinion, just absolute franchise dudes. And I don't. I I have no idea who's going to be better. I know well enough that it's largely depends on the situation the players go to. Yeah. And um, and so with these two guys in this position, it's just uh, it's a really incredible you know year for them. Obviously, the question surrounding Sam is the turnovers and the fumbles. So how you know how do you address that? You know how do you answer that part of it? Um, so I think you got to go to the root of, of any of these issues, right? So when it comes to Sam and addressing any any the, all these quarterbacks have issues, and we need to pick them apart, right? So um, when you go to Sam and you look at the turnovers, you got to go to the root of it. And so um, you know, ball security in the pocket is just always going to be something that um, you know you can't turn the ball over, and there's not necessarily a, a drill for it. I think there's things that you can do, um, but you know, Sam, the situation that he was in before, really on most third downs and red zone like the answer to that play working was going to be him running around and making a play and so you're sacrificed right those things hold each other in tension you creating space and making something amazing happen versus keep two hands on the ball and protect it those are two different things those two things hold each other in tension and so if we would have shifted more towards zero fumbles in the pocket you're going to lose a couple of those plays because your mentality changes now are there ways that you can do both absolutely and that comes with experience and not with me in dana point california hitting you with a bag that's game experience so i know this it's important to him and it's gonna be something that he focuses on i do not see this being an issue moving forward um and in terms of the 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 interceptions um you know i think it's a similar answer in that a lot of the play the result of the play had to come down to him making a play um but also uh you know the way that 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 offense is run at usc a lot of it is um the quarterback has a lot of options you can go here versus this but you can also take a peek at that and if you feel this you can go there um and i just always feel like it didn't happen all the time there but it happened enough to where that you know that's tough you're gonna throw a lot of touchdowns and a lot of interceptions that way and so um but they they really trusted sam and 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 he did throw a lot of touchdowns and uh, made a lot of plays happen down there. So um, I think with Sam, those are things that are very, very correctable. Things that aren't correctable are the moment's too big. I hate getting hit. I don't know if I can do it. Those types of things, there is no drill for them, right? And so with Sam, the issues that he's had are incredibly fixable. Like never happen again fixable. Really? You know? Well, just just not because it's even Sam, just because... The things that he has yeah. is that like relentless work ethic, coachability, athletic enough to change things really quickly. To be, you have to be really athletic to be coachable. Coachability is not about tucking your shirt in and saying yes, sir, and showing up on time. Coachability is about being athletic enough to have a bad habit and replace it with a good habit, and then never have it come up again. That takes athleticism. And uh, both these kids are athletic enough to become really coachable. So if you're if you're Cleveland, how the heck do you decide between you know? Sam and, and Josh. Yeah. yeah, between Sam and Josh, if it comes down to that, how do you how do you decide? It's just got to be around what they want to do. You know, what do the next five years look like for them? What are they going to do this year? How are they going to build around it? Um, 
I, you know, if I was sitting down with the owner and he said, no one's going to find out about your answer, who would you say? <laughs> My answer is, I don't know. It depends <laughs> on what you want to do, you yeah, know? Yeah, yes. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's it's a good. tough one. And it's a good should, problem to have. Totally. Um, you know, the pressure that comes from that is, man, I hope I don't get the guy who busts out yeah. of these two. Yeah. I just don't see it out of either of them. I think they're both going to be studs, so I think it's a win-win situation. So two franchise quarterbacks. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, the Browns uh, should be set yeah. with one of these guys. Yeah, I think it's exciting. I mean, they've just done such a good job with John Dorsey's the perfect guy. I talked about Ken Zampezi, Haley, great fit coming in. It's just like it's, Cleveland's become this place that like all the kids want to play for now. Really? It's not been the past. Even agents. Everybody, the whole conversation is like really? Cleveland has become this like really attractive player. The cap space, the picks, the young talent, the staff that's there. Everyone is just... I've not heard, I don't know if I've heard more positive stuff about a GM, only positive stuff than I have about John Dorsey. That's great. Um, the expectations are low. The AFC North is not what it's been the last five years. Yeah, it's a true. totally, it's become the AFC South for the last five years, you know, where it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, I mean, Cleveland could totally have a good year and win the division. How do you think they're, that those two guys are going to do when they put them up on the board? Because that's so huge. When yeah. you and those guys put them up on the board, are, are, what are they going to find? from an acumen standpoint? Um, a lot of confidence, um, very, very cerebral. Now, they didn't play, run pro-style systems and all that stuff, and so they're not coming from years of doing it, but I have introduced them to a lot. I've installed the entire offense. We installed it as a digit system and as a concept system, So they, and they just they learn really, really quickly. So I think these are guys that are gonna be able to communicate exactly what they're thinking. They're good, they're excellent communicators, um, and uh, they're very, very humble, so they come from a place of humility. So they're not the natural guys to come in here and say, I'm going to be the greatest quarterback that ever lived. I think they both believe those things about themselves, yeah. but they're not, they're just, they're so humble, yeah. um, which is great. And, uh, but they're very, very confident. So I think they're going to be pleasantly, um, I think they're going to have, a, you know, a great, great interactions with them in their meetings, but they're going to be with them here. They're going to be with them on the pro days. They're going to probably be flying both out. Um, so it's really depends on what they ask them. You know what I mean? I think this is going to be probably relationship development time as opposed to, yeah. you know, quiz um and i'm sure at some point they'll send them a playbook and have them, have them regurgitate the information they're just they're guys that are they're gonna do well at that that was jordan palmer with mary Kay cabot of course palmer has been working with josh allen and sam darnold so uh some interesting things there if you are not subscribed to orange and brown talk on itunes go ahead and head over there and subscribe also subscribe on google play if you like what you heard leave us a five-star review and go ahead and share this podcast with all your uh, your fellow podcasting friends neighbors family members whoever you got uh thanks for listening everyone for mary Kay cabot i am dan Lockett.